Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. President Joe Biden is betting on electric vehicles to fight global warming. His executive order from last week will put way more electric cars on American roads in the next decade. And then there's this big infrastructure bill, now making its way through Congress. If passed, it could start to decarbonize the country's transportation system with electric buses and ferries. The new policies come at a critical time in the fight against climate change. A recent UN report says we're dangerously close to a point of no return, while others say we're already past it. Sean O'Kane writes about transportation startups for The Verge, and he's here to tell us more about America's expansion into electric cars. Hey, Sean. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Um, so just now I mentioned two pieces of legislation that Biden is betting on to take on global warming. If we act to save the planet, we can also come out of it better. We can create millions of good paying jobs that generate significant economic growth and opportunity and raise the standard of living for people not only here, but around the world. Let's start with the executive order. What does it do exactly? Uh, well, he actually signed two last week, and one of them is basically just sort of a, a target, like a stated goal. He's basically saying that by 2030, he wants half of all new cars sold to be electric, but that could be all electric, that could be plug-in hybrid, or that could even be hydrogen-powered, since those cars uh, typically involve some sort of battery system so that makes them electric. So it's 50% of all new cars being sort of electrified, potentially running on zero emissions if you're running like the hybrid on electric mode only. Um, but there, there's a, an important distinction to make there because I think a lot of people have gotten swept up in uh, the selling of it by the administration. And then he signed another executive order that basically tasks uh, the Department of Transportation and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration with crafting new stringent rules uh, for emissions and for fuel economy that could theoretically back up that goal. So that 50 percent jump is a pretty big deal, right? Because what's the percentage of car sales now that are electric? Right now, it's about 2%, although there's a chance that number has gone up in recent months because there's definitely been a big sudden shift towards hybrid and electric vehicles uh, over the last couple of months as the auto market has gone really kind of crazy. Um, whether or not that holds, we'll have to wait and see as the auto market cools off. But there, there are reasons to believe that you could get to 50% by 2030. And maybe this is a silly question, but can Biden do that? Can he make car companies convert to electric? Not in the sense of grabbing them by the literal hooks and, and sort of changing their manufacturing lines. But, you know, this is all sort of incentive based, right? Like you go out and you set this goal and you get the agencies under your administration to set actual sort of standards that the automakers would have to meet or otherwise face some sort of penalty or fine. Uh, and so you're encouraging them that way to shift. And this is, you know, this is all really building on uh, what had originally been Obama's big push back around sort of 2010 to 2012 
of setting really stringent standards, taking advantage of the recession and the fact that some of the big automakers in the U.S. were going through bankruptcies or close to it, and setting really stringent standards for them to try to encourage them to build electric or hybrid vehicles that could really advance what were his climate plans at the time. The United Nations climate report that came out Monday paints a pretty grim picture about the state of our climate. Um, it says human activity will continue to rapidly heat up the planet through greenhouse gas emissions. Why aren't electric vehicles sort of flying off the shelves on their own, especially given this dire need to move away from fossil fuels? Uh, people talk about range as a big uh, issue with electric vehicles, but I, th- I think the bigger thing is price. I mean, there are just not really that many electric vehicles that cost at a level that is competitive with not only gas vehicles, but you know affordable gas vehicles. You are hard-pressed to find one around $30,000, or that that is changing because Chevy's new Bolt costs around that, and they're, um, the Mini Electric, there are a couple that are around that price point, but most of them hover, I would say, probably from 45000 to around sixty and up. Um, and you know the average cost of a new car in the U.S. is around forty-one thousand dollars right now, and so I think the the money is just a really big reason as for why there are definitely other concerns like you know people have concerns about where they're going to charge it when they're going to charge it yeah I, th- I think that's definitely the case for me it's like where would i charge it in brooklyn am i gonna like you know throw a, a cord out my fifth story window <laughs> <laughs> yeah in cities it's a total issue for sure um outside of cities if you have a home the pressure gets alleviated in those situations because you can sort of trickle charge. You can install uh, a faster charger at your house, but you really don't even necessarily need that, especially if you're only doing a couple, you know, couple dozen miles of driving every day. But that definitely plays into why people haven't adopted it. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's price, it's questions about the technology and how it will fit into people's lives. And then also just generally availability up until now, there just hasn't been an enormous market to choose from. And that's changing. So how about this infrastructure bill? How do electric cars tie into that piece of legislation? I mean, a big piece of what is being proposed right now is a $7.5 billion commitment towards uh, building out a larger network of electric vehicle chargers around the, the nation, which would obviously be a practical help. But chargers on the highways are important, but not the kind of thing you will technically you, you'll end up using a lot when you have an electric vehicle if you're charging at home every night, if you have that ability. Um, so that's one piece of it. And then they're also throwing a similar amount of money towards electrifying um, bus fleets and ferries and trying to do some more uh, transit-focused electrification. This is a big move for the U.S. government, but how does it stack up against what other countries are doing? It's definitely not as aggressive as we've seen from other places around the world. Europe is trying to essentially ban the sale completely of new gas-powered vehicles by 2035. Uh, The United Kingdom is looking at doing that by maybe 2030. China has announced similar goals. Uh, And so there was a lot of pressure coming from environmental groups and policymakers and industry folks before Biden made this announcement to try to set a similar phase out date, essentially, for the sale of new gas powered vehicles. But the administration didn't go that far. So it's it's not as aggressive in that respect. And it's also not as aggressive in the mix that he's trying to reach of gas and electric vehicles by the next decade. Why isn't the U.S. being more aggressive? Like, why not? Why not ban gas cars instead of just limiting their sales? Uh, You know, it's a really good question. I feel like it's probably mostly it's a mix of like cultural and political because there's a really good political argument as sort of out there as it might sound 
to do that and do it aggressively. To announce something like that and try to enforce it could be an enormous job creation engine. You know, the administration has talked, even the Trump administration a little bit, has talked a lot about trying to onshore some of the supply chain. Right now, a lot of the supply chain for electric vehicles is in China. And so there's been all this talk about sort of wanting to build up that infrastructure here and really get an EV supply chain going in North America. As I've said before, we're in competition with China and many other nations for the 21st century. To win, we're going to have to make sure the future will be made in America. That would be, you know, enormously helped by a more aggressive goal than this one right now. So, I, you know, I think the hesitation comes from the automakers will say, we want this, you know, Ford, GM and Stellantis, which is what came out of the merger between Fiat Chrysler and uh, Francis Peugeot. They were alongside Biden at this announcement. They're talking about how they support this goal and everything. Although if you look closely, they say they're only aspiring to hit 40 to 50 percent by oh, 2030. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> and it shouldn't be lost that. All of these three automakers in different capacities had lobbied against, you know, at the end of the Obama administration and the beginning of the Trump administration, they had lobbied for a loosening of those um, emissions restrictions or those admissions rules. All of them were sort of looking for more flexibility because SUV sales had gone way up. Gas prices had gone way down compared to where everything stood when those Obama rules were put in. And so, you know, they wanted to take advantage of that. Those cars make more money. Uh, and so those are the kinds of forces that, uh, you know, this administration is working against and why we probably wound up with this sort of really compromise deal as opposed to one that is more aggressive like we've seen around the world. Got it. So they were lobbying against it and now they're aspiring to meet it. <laughs> yeah. Although, you know, they're and it's interesting, too, because, you know, Ford's a good case. They have a very aggressive goal to be highly electric in Europe by 2030, but they're not committing to that much here. And that's because Europe is setting a much higher standard. Right. So, so, so as far as Europe, though, like if you legislate it, people will follow, but we're not even quite legislating it that much yet. <laughs> we should also point out that electric cars aren't like the perfect fix, right? You know, after all, they are powered by an electric grid that's still mainly reliant on fossil fuels, right? That's definitely something to keep in mind, although the important thing when you think about that, um, because if you have an electric car where you have it right now, definitely changes how sort of, you know, top to bottom good it is for the environment. Um, if you live in a place that is still near some operating coal plants that are pumping electricity into the grid, obviously that's not great. But the good thing about electric vehicles is that as the grid gets cleaner, their impact gets less and less and less on the environment, where that's just totally not the case with gas-powered vehicles. So how about the actual percentage of cars on the road, right? People hold on to cars for a while. So even if you introduce electric cars, it's going to take a little while for them to really be a large share of the market. That's going to be tough. I mean, that was actually a big talking point for the Trump administration. One of the reasons they were trying to roll back the Obama rules was because they were saying that all this technology that was increasing fuel economy and lowering admissions was increasing the cost of the cars. And so they were arguing that if we lower the standards, the cost of a new car will be cheaper and therefore turn over the fleets faster. Otherwise, you know, more expensive, cleaner cars are just driving people to hold on to dirtier cars longer. It was kind of a really twisty logic, but there was an element of truth to it in the sense that people do really hold on to their cars unless they feel motivated to buy something new. So we have to try to figure out a way to really incentivize people um, to, to buy into this stuff if we're going to get 
the total number of cars on the road to flip towards you know a bias of electric versus gas powered. Thank you so much for joining us, Sean. Thanks. And thank you for listening to Recode Daily. My name is Ronnie Mola. This episode was produced by Alan Rodriguez Espinosa and engineered by Paul Mounsey. Do you drive an electric car or do you want to help fight climate change? Tell us. Email us at recodedaily at recode.net. <laughs>